0: Hi and welcome to the Sailorville Church podcast. My name is Abe Miller, uh, along with Pat Nemmers. Happy New Year to you. We're here in 2023.
1: Happy New Year to you as well, Abe. It's great to be uh, back in the swing of things and having uh, our whole, almost our whole staff back together again. That was, it's. I love the Christmas vacation, but I, but you know, I, I don't take the entire vacation off. I mean, I, most of our staff kind of gets in their last yeah. days of vacation. It's a little lonely around here. <laughs> It's good to see everybody back again. Yep.
0: Good, it was good to be away, see family, and then good to be good to be back and back in uh, the swing of things. And it was weird with New Year's and New Year's Day, but um, yeah, we're here talking about the message from Sunday, which was real fluffy. Uh, <laughs> and we were talking about New Year's resolutions and uh, weight gain, working out in the gym. That's right, all the important stuff. Yep, all the important things. Just kidding. It was uh, start. We're back in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. And the church at war, Ephesians six, which was, uh, I mean, came out of the gate swinging, yeah, uh, right off the bat. Yeah. But yeah. Um, give us a, give us a little bit of a background of the message, and then we'll. I've, I've got several questions. I mean, this this whole scripture is always it's an intriguing scripture. We yeah. talk about it a lot. It's a popular passage, but yet it does bring up lots of questions and the unseen and what's going on that we don't know what's happening. Yeah. So give us a little background.
1: I do think the reason why it's so popular and so alluring is because of the things we don't know. We, we, we There are certain things we know very clearly, the Bible makes very clearly, and those are the things God wants us to concentrate on and not get too hung up in uh, trying to discern on our own uh, what's happening what he hasn't revealed to us. I love Deuteronomy 29, 29. I quoted it in the message. Yeah. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but those things which are revealed, those are the clear concrete things he's revealed to us are for us. And they're for our children forever. That said, the Bible does talk quite a bit about the demon world and, uh, Ephesians six and verses 10 and following is where we find that that's where we left off before the Christmas break. So, that's what we did. We, we, we stopped our Ephesians series of a month before Christmas. We did a Christmas series and yeah, I could have started off the year with a standalone message. It wouldn't have been wrong to do that, but because as you know, uh, we have a big Sunday coming up this Sunday uh, with the announcement of our brand new uh, church plant to come in the engaged network yeah. uh, out of Sailorville church Uh uh, John Nimmer's preaching. There's a little, our little shameless, shameless plug of that coming up this Sunday, but because he's preaching on Sunday, uh, if I would, it would be three weeks before we got back in the Ephesians series again, wouldn't have been wrong, but we decided early on, no, let's jump back into the series. Let's pick it up where we left off. And, uh, so we begin the last segment of Ephesians, uh, which we've outlined with three W's. The first section is the wealth of the church, the, um, uh, the second uh, section is the walk of the church or the individual, the you know the follower of Christ, and now the the church at war. And uh, you're right; it's a it's a powerful passage of scripture where he starts off by reminding us that uh, we we ought not to be unaware of the enemy that we have, and that we are to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then he were reminded that this isn't a flesh and blood battle, but then he starts listing those things where where our fight is against. And we focused on that word against, Mm -hmm. against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so he repeats himself, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So that's the passage we tackled. And, uh, and it, it caused a lot of raised eyebrows and excitement. And there's also, it's kind of funny. People get kind of eerie about the, oh, I mean, well, this is the invisible world. This is, this, this is our enemy. And, and yet it's also, there's also a sort of excitement of, Hey, I'm responsible to, to fight against this, aren't I? And, uh, if you're a follower of Christ, indeed you are.
0: Yeah. I thought, I thought the same thing. It was, it was a, when you think about like, you know, the new year's resolutions and everyone making goals and, you know, (laughs) losing weight and going to the gym and all of the things that, you know, everybody does at the new year. I thought this was a great reminder of the seriousness of what we're up against, what we're doing, the battle that's happening. And, um, I think, I think it, it's just, a good, it's just a good way to start the year off and mm-hmm. to say, hey, we got to take this seriously because we're, we're, we are in a fight. And you made that clear right away. We're all in a fight, a spiritual fight. Um, one, of the, one of the things you said, I think it was from the beginning, you said fight from victory, not for victory.
1: Yeah. Explain that a little bit. Well, it's actually a popular line. I didn't make up the line. It's been around for generations uh, that the Christian doesn't fight for victory. He fights from victory because Christ is our victor. He's He's already won the ultimate victory at the cross and subsequent resurrection. And so we are like John tells us in First John, we are already more than victors. We are we're more than conquerors. I mean, we're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors through mm-hmm. Him who loved us. I'm sorry, that's Paul who said that in Romans eight, uh, uh, and so, uh, and John tells us what is our victory? What is our how, how do we conquer? It's our faith that causes us to conquer, and uh, so uh, we're more than conquerors. We're already victors. So we're not fighting to get a, the victory. Uh, because we're victors, we fight from it, but we're still fighting. That was my whole point. We're still fighting. It's still uh, because uh, sometimes Christians can look very defeated because they're not, they haven't put their, you know, their theological and spiritual gloves on. Yeah, and I think when maybe
0: maybe talk a little bit about this, but it seems like in our in our world and circles, we don't talk about this a ton doesn't seem like where mm-hmm. we talk a lot about hey this is that this is spiritual warfare this is a you know you're fighting against the devil or whatever and I think sometimes we shy away from that because we're not exactly sure is it a is it my own inner spiritual uh, natural man or is this actually an attack and I feel like there's a lot of people that don't talk about that a lot. Why? Why? Why is that? Why? Why do people not seem to like that? And maybe you would disagree uh, with that statement, but I mean, it, it does seem like there's just. A,
1: it's not a. It's not a normal conversation. Yeah, I think because we kind of deal in extremes. I think we there are extreme positions theologically. There are movements out there that talk about this stuff all the time, but they do it in such a weirded weirded out kind of a way that it turns everybody off. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a demon under every, under every rock and this and that, and it's just weird stuff. Instead of so just looking at what the Bible has to say about it, the Bible couldn't be more clear. I mean, Satan is a real personage. Mm-hmm. He's a real, the demons are real. They're out there. We're, and we are told in no uncertain terms from this very passage that uh, we are responsible to resist them with every fiber of our, of our being. And more importantly, every, uh, every gift that God has given us, you know, by putting on, you know, the whole armor of God. But I do think that, that there are to your question, why don't we talk about it more? I'm going to, I'm going to venture to say, Abe, that the answer to that is we're so stinking self-sufficient right now in our generation, in our land, in our country. I don't know if you, I think if you'd name, if you, if you were to name the the ruler over America, what would it, what would that demon's name be? I think it'd be a, I don't, maybe the demon of convenience, or the comfort. Demon, Huh? Comfort. Of, of comfort. Uh, we've got it all. What, what, what do I, I'm not fighting anything. Are you kidding? I got, I'm, I'm, my bank account's fat, you know, and I'm good. And I take vacations. And my kids are well clothed and they eat good. And we got a good school we're going to got a great church, hear good messages, great music. Uh, yep. I'm not worried about demons. Are you yep. kidding me? So I think there's a little bit of that. It's just presumption and it's wrong. And I, if you remember very early in the message, I made a very strong statement. I even put it up on the board, uh, on the screen where I said, if you, ha-, I said, you have an invisible enemy who will stop at nothing to destroy your life, family, reputation and testimony. And that's a sobering statement. I believe that's true. So how does that fit with, well, I thought we we're more than conquerors, you know, through him we love as we are. But that doesn't mean we're not in a battle. We could still lose battles, win a war, but lose battles. And a lot of people are losing battles today because they're so full of presumption. They're so comfortable. They don't fight. They don't pray against evil. Uh, they don't pray against their own personal temptations. And uh, that's why we're in a really soft culture that has, that's filled with terrible marriages and divorces and abuse and sexual deviancy, and immorality, and homosexuality, and and uh, the whole LGBTQ community. I mean, we talked a little bit about that. That that raised some eyebrows as well. I think all of this stuff is being fueled by Satan and his demon world. Yeah, that's a great point because I think it is. We've
0: we've become accustomed to it. It's become normal. It's become something that we just. It's part of everyday life, and we've kind of gotten sucked into it. And it, <clears throat> cause I would agree with you. I think it, it, it's, it's easy to see how Satan uses those things to, yeah, distract us, to make us self-sufficient. I thought that was a great, that's a great word because mm-hmm. it we don't, we don't need to trust the Lord.
1: And, and probably if you were to ask me, what was, what, what is the thing that most disturbing about what you see and what you mentioned in your message, I would reply the, you know, the whole concept of Demons are a part of. of uh, I think. I think what they try to do is they just cause us. They just try to get us to give in, just cave to the whole cultural mindset, the cult, the demon of culture that says accept us, embrace us, honor us, celebrate us, and I'm I'm talking about all of these lifestyles that are so so far away from the Word of God and things that honor Christ. And I think churches and individuals are giving up by the hordes, and it's a scary thing in our culture right now. Um, and so I think it makes this series of messages really important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely
0: gets your antennas up and to be aware of. How? You how, don't even know if you can answer this, but <clears throat> how do you know— how do you know when you're under attack? I mean, we talk about war, we talk about a battle. How does a Christian know this is you're under attack. You're is there something, is it a sixth sense that you feel that you you can feel it? And maybe you have personal experience, but I mean, I think that there's part of this that we talk about this and people are like, I mean, I've heard, I've heard somebody say that years ago, you know, we were talking about like, I feel like I'm under attack. I feel yeah. like Satan's yeah. after me. And somebody said to the person, you're, you're not even a threat. You're not even like walking with the Lord. Like yeah. why would Satan yeah. waste his time on you? You've self, you know, self-destructed on your own. You don't even need. So I think there's some
1: people that are like, would Satan even like. Mess with me? Is he trying yeah.
0: to mess with me? Am I am I under attack? And how do you know that?
1: Yeah, there are a couple of things coming to my mind. One is uh, is this business of always uh, accusing Satan as the one who who's after you. I mean, Satan is oh, Satan is not omnipresent. He's a he's a he's a created being, a very very powerful created being, so powerful that J- Jude tells us even Michael the archangel, when he was contending with the body of Moses, would not fight personally with Satan, but looked at him and said, "The Lord rebuke you." So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying we're not looking at a powerful enemy, but he's not omnipresent. So uh, we had a, one of our one of our uh, former deacons in our church, a real good theologian. He came up to me and he said he had just talked to some friends recently. He said who had made that kind of statement oh, the devil's really getting after me. He Goes, you know, I, I hate to break it to you, but you're not that big of a deal, to the devil. Now you may have some demons coming after you, mm-hmm. and I mean, I realize we're kind of talking six, one half dozen, the other because we got. To, to your question, when do you know? Um, and you also answered part of it yourself. You're, if somebody is not living for the Lord already, they've already been somewhat defeated. And I think it was Spurgeon who said that Satan never kicks a dead horse. I mean, right. I mean well, right. he, he, he doesn't care about you if you're not walking with God. You say, oh, maybe I'll just keep doing that. Well, that probably shows you you're not even a child of God anyway. It should be a real concern of yours but i do think that in my life i've i i can't tell you of instances too many that is i can tell you of a couple where i felt the the tactile the real presence of evil in a room where i was ministering and uh, and i've had a case or two where i wondered if there was possession of some sorts not of the kind of uh, you know you know, not of the kind that you see on the movies and all that kind of stuff, but really some really sick stuff happened that made me wonder. I mean, just you sensed evil, but most of the time it's, it's, uh, it's what I get as a result of evangelism. So evangelism is just one gift of many gifts. And as you all know, it's one of those areas that God has allowed me to be useful in. And I have seen it's. I love to evangelize people, and I love to see people come to know Jesus. And when it happens, it seems like I can almost count on it. I get, I I get something thrown at me, uh, almost, almost like a boomerang uh, effect. You know, I mean, it's just when I've had a chance to be able to put a uh, put a dent in the gate of the the gates of hell by evangelism, it seems like I have some kind of something happen. Uh, issues occur, uh, struggle. I might have an argument with my wife, uh, uh, that seems unusual or something like that. And I'm not trying to blame it on that either, but I, 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 have, it seems like whenever serious, hard forward progress, either by evangelism or just, you know, you're really working with somebody, you're watching them make forward progress in their walk with God there. Yeah. There's seems to be an invite. Paul said it himself in first Corinthians 16:8. he said, he, he said a great a great and effective door is open to me and there are many adversaries so right there you gotta right in side by side you know uh, that's where you've heard me say where there's a door there's a demon yeah. I, I think that's I think that's how you know mm-hmm. would you in those circumstances like that I mean would
0: you you would you would say that that is a more of a demonic maybe attack on some level versus, God testing you in that moment, or, I mean, obviously God's allowing it yeah. to happen, yeah. but I mean, you know, wow, look, God, you did this and you know, is, is God humbling you in that moment or testing you to say, Hey, don't,
1: don't get out of line here because yes, I gave you a great
0: opportunity, but here's this other thing that you need to be aware yeah, of. Yeah. And
1: sometimes I thank the Lord in those moments because it, he reminds me to pray for protection from evil. Um, uh, And as you all know, I urge people to do that regularly, daily. Uh, and I made the comment in the message, if you don't pray against evil, you really don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think that, uh, for me in those moments, I, I will find myself like praying It's like, Oh my goodness. You know, I'm not picturing a demon or anything like that. I just, I, I know there's resistance and I need protection. I call upon the Lord during those times.
0: Yeah, so let's let's go down that path on the Matthew 6 and the prayer, Jesus' prayer, and praying against temptation. I mean, you've been big about that. It's been something that you have brought up multiple times to challenge us to to pray that. And, and it doesn't—it seems like there's a—not um, a ton of people are like, oh, yes, I pray that every yeah. day, you know, and, and that's something, but— it's important because Jesus said it's important, but like for you personally and for our church, like, why is that something that we need to take serious? Because that it's not just a, hey, you should, you know, you should do this. Good idea. Like, no, man, we are, we're desperately, we need to do that. Yeah. Why, why is that such
1: a big deal? Well, because it is a desperate situation. It, again, if you don't see it as a desperate need, then you're not going to pray that way. And that's my concern for our culture. I think the demon of this culture or demons of this culture have, they've been very effective. They have, they have, they have caused the church to become very sleepy. And, uh, the results are ineffectiveness and that's really a great concern of mine. So we have the prayer that Jesus gives us. I mean, he, I learned it as a little Catholic boy growing up, I memorized it and just said it repeatedly, which is exactly what he tells us not to do in the passage in Matthew six. But I, I can also remember I, I funny story. I, I, when I first became a Christian, I, my brother, Mike urged me to go to a certain radio station, KW or a KNWS, uh, Christian radio station on Northwestern in Waterloo, Iowa, our uh, tech guy—that's where that's where Tanner hails from as well, right, Tanner? I have a picture of me when I left for Bible college, and there was my my wife and I, and and all these friends, and there was uh, the Archer family, and there's little baby Tanner Tanner right there uh, in the picture. But anyway, so to the uh, uh, to that those early days, my brother said, "You need to listen to this radio station. You need to listen to a guy named John MacArthur." This is 1982. 1982. We're talking 40, 41 years ago. And so I turned on this young 40 something year old John MacArthur. And the very first words from the commentator were open your Bibles to the disciples prayer. And I thought, okay, where's that? And uh, in Matthew chapter six, So I'm opening my Bible to Matthew six and MacArthur starts preaching from verses nine through 16 there. And I'm going, I'm yelling at my wife, Nina, 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 we already know scripture. I did not Mm. know that the Lord's prayer was actually right out of the Bible, right out of the Bible. And uh, so so it was cool. But then I learned very quickly that wasn't meant to be, when he said pray like this, he didn't say pray this prayer, but pray like this. So really um, there's a lot of cute little acronyms out there like ACTS. Have you ever seen ACTS? You know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But there's nothing in there about praying against evil. And and that's it's really it so I've never ever prescribed to that acronym. In fact, anybody who ever tells me that, I tell them it's a weak acronym. <laughs> I mean it's it's a stab at it. But Jesus gave us one already. If you memorize the prayer, you can just use that as a template for your prayer. So you you know, you have your adoration, hallowed be your name, you know, and uh you have your submission, you know. I mean your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you have your supplication. Give us our, this day our daily bread. And you have your confession. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as we, for, and then it's not just forgive us our trespasses, but it's forgive us our trespasses the way we forgive those who've sinned against us. I mean, that's, Spurgeon called that the awful prayer request, because you're saying, God, forgive me the same way I forgive others. So that makes it a really, really strong prayer, doesn't it? And then you get to that place where he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Two different prayers. I think they're different. Lead us not into temptation. I think he's saying, that's an individual prayer for you, Abe. What are the things that you're most tempted, What that most tempt you? Mm -hmm. What are the things that most tempt me? I mean, they might be similar, but they might be radically different. You know yourself right. better than I do, and I know myself better than you do. And I, I got to pray against those temptations and then deliver us from the evil one. That's a direct prayer for protection from Satan, and it's something we should pray every single day. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um,
0: so you talked about the three realizations as you war with Satan. Our real strength is in the Lord, was one, our real stand. Is against the realm of Satan, and third, our real struggle is spiritual. Um, so, like, I guess we don't have time to cover all of those, but that last one, our real struggle is spiritual. The Prince of the Power of the Air. Um, it was interesting as I was listening to the message. I, I, uh, you know, a lot of times when we think of problems or issues, we don't we think of a person. We think of a personality. We think of uh, um, something circumstantial. I don't know. And as I was listening to that, I was just thinking of you know, like, do I? Our real struggle is spiritual. Like we, you know, a lot of times it, we we put flesh and bones on it, even though Paul says not to. It's not mm-hmm. against flesh and blood, but against the the darkness, right? The spiritual darkness. So, like, when we when we're and maybe this is just kind of a peek into your own life, but like when you're when you're struggling like that, and when there are issues, maybe there's interpersonal relationship issues or circumstantial issues, which you have had throughout your life, how do you, how do you, how do you view it? How do you look at it? How do you pray through it? How do you like maybe just kind of walk us through that situationally? Because a lot of times I go after, like, it's the individual. Yeah. Instead of looking at it like God's testing me or God, like, God, I got to love this person through this.
1: Well, let me first admit that I'm human just like you and I I can go after the individual too and this is just listening to you pose the question is convicting to me of how often I have gone there where I'm just so frustrated with the sinfulness of a certain individual or the carnalness or whatever and I haven't taken into account that while this individual is just like I am guilty for my own sins, uh, there is there is a, there is another element there. There are, there, there is a demonic world that's fueling. That's, that's just pumping air, fuel, whatever you want to call it, into uh, those individuals that are not acting in accordance with the will of God. And so um, I'm even reminded as we talk here that I, I need to remember that myself. And, uh and while I don't blame you know. Remember that there was an old there was a comedian when I was growing up. His name was Flip Wilson. <laughs> the only only older people listening to this podcast will remember. I'm going to say Flip, I have no idea. Well, who that because is. he he made this line famous. The devil made me do it. That's what uh-huh. he always said. Yeah. He always was. He was. He brought audiences to their knees, laughing. The devil made me do it, and it was funny. And we don't want to go there and say, well, the devil made me do everything. I mean, I'm choice. I'm. I'm. I am my choices i'm culpable for but the truth of the matter is the devil does while he can't make us do anything his demons can uh can uh fuel our sinful fires that we have and so when i'm looking at other people that are opposing me i let's just be real blunt i mean on sunday in one of our three services, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we, I I actually saw somebody leave and it looked, it didn't look normal the way they left. And I found out later on, it wasn't normal. They were, they were not a part of our church. They were not from our area and they were, they were offended. They, they, uh, they didn't like the fact that I made the comment that, that the demonic realm is, is, uh, putting fuel into the, our culture. And it's the reason why Christians are giving in to uh, you know, and giving in and giving adherence to lifestyles that we should never agree with. And that 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 was offensive to them. And they walked out. And uh, I felt bad. I feel bad for that situation, but I don't I don't feel guilty about what I had to say. And I and I realized that. I think they've been taken captive in many ways to, to think at least in a way that's not pleasing to God. I got to remember that and pray against those things for them as well.
0: Yeah. The, the other, the other one that I wanted to maybe just touch base on was dressing yourself daily with the whole armor of God. Yeah, And you talked about put on, you know, the different you know, clothes and your pants and your shirt and your shoes, the belt and pray and pray in that passage as you, as you go through that and, and you said something about living like a lives of integrity, having a life of integrity. Um, that was a good challenge. That was a good challenge to remember that on a daily basis that we have to pray to put on the armor of God. Um, but what would you, what would you say from uh, I guess just from a pastoral perspective to the church or whoever's listening to this, but like how, how would you say why, why th- the importance of that, and and the thing that gripped me was like this specific way of how you went through each of the pieces, because mm-hmm. I would just be like, "Lord, protect me." Yeah. Why is it important though to go through maybe the individual pieces of clothing and what those all represent?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think the answer is because God saw to it through the Apostle Paul's illustration of the Roman soldier to think beyond generalities. So, you know, and we're going to start walking through these in a couple weeks and he starts with the belt of truth. And I'm going to argue that that's not just, you're not just saying put on truth. I guess you could argue that. I think he's talking about putting on truthfulness. That is a life of integrity. The belt keeps everything together and it holds. If we have a life that's has integrity, then our faith has the faith representing the shield of faith that uh, has integrity our minds have integrity. The helmet represents that. The, uh, you know, our feet, where we go have integrity, you know, and, um, uh, and, uh, so, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, the shield of faith that, uh, extinguishes the darts of the devil, all that starts, starts with the belt. And then everyone has something different. You know, you one represents integrity. One represents our faith. One represents our witness are in our, are going forward. The all, the only offensive weapon on that is, is the sword. Everything else is defensive. So that tells you a little bit more about, and I'm going to have to get into that a little bit more too. I mean, every, I mean, so many defensive things like the breastplate and the, and the shield and the helmet, those are all defensive articles. That means we got, we got stuff coming of our minds. We got stuff coming at our hearts. Mm we got stuff coming, uh, you know, at our, at our faith. And, um, so, and then, but only one thing that we go at him with, and that's the sword, right. you know? And, uh, so, uh, I, I think God wants us to think, uh, more specifically than just God protect us and protect me, but protect my mind, protect my heart, you know, protect my faith, you know, protect my feet and where I'm going and, Protect my integrity. Help me to be a truthful man. And, uh, and, and I think if we do that and we do it best we know how, it doesn't mean we're not going to be attacked. I think the attacks are still going to come, but I think we'll ward them off a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I was thinking as we kind of
0: wrap up here, the, you know, when you think of Sailorville Church and what God has done here and is doing here and what God's doing in the engaged network with all the other churches and a church we're starting a church coming up, what what in your mind are we more susceptible to attacks yourself, me, the other elders, our leadership, the the, the people on staff, our church? Are we more susceptible to attacks? Because Satan wants to destroy us. He hates the fact that we're, God's doing something here, right? There's, there's momentum, there's growth, there's lives being changed. Or are we not so much because we have people who are obedient, following the Lord in their word, in the word, sharing Christ? I mean, I don't know. It's just something I thought about. Like, are we, what would you say to that? Mm.
1: I think it's. I think it's both. I think we are susceptible because we are going forward. We are moving forward. We are starting churches. We are seeing people come to know Jesus as their Savior. Those are all things that cause the demon world to howl. Uh, but I. I think that we hopefully are. There's because we're dressing up. We're warding off some of those things. I have to believe a lot of those fiery darts are getting through though and they're hurting. We're going to see some people get hurt in the process. This is the, these are the risks that we take, but, uh, it, it's, it just means it's all more important for us that that are leaders in this church. Uh, we need to be fully armed if we expect to be able to ward off all
0: those, uh, fiery darts. Yeah. And the people that are listening, I think it's a great, it's a great challenge, you know, for all of us to be praying for, the testimony of the Lord, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody, wh- wherever they are, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're at work or anywhere at the gym, I mean, it's it's we need to be praying for one another that, yeah, God protect us from those fiery darts from the evil one, and um, because today today might be good, but tomorrow could be could be a train wreck, and we, I think that's that daily part, right? Because yep. it's it's like, well, today I prayed and today I'm good, and then tomorrow it's like you let your guard down you all of a sudden become self-sufficient and that's when we we get proud yep. and we
1: we go down so any last closing words yeah i would just i would just buttress what you said the very last thing paul says after he lays out all of these pieces of the roman armor he says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He concludes his time talking about prayer. So that's why I said, when you're putting on your clothing, uh, it's a great practice to do. I don't do it all the time myself. So I need to get into that practice myself. You know, pray that pray, God's protection of your heart, of your head, of your witness, of the places you go, of your integrity. Pray that, pray those things on. That's the, that's the prayer is the thing that buckles all them onto your life. And that's what we have to keep in mind as well. So may God help all of us to do exactly that.